Hi all, Jacob Austin here, owner of QS.Zone, and welcome to episode 12 of the Subcontractors Blueprint, the show where subcontractors will learn how to ensure profitability, improve cash flow, and grow their business. So today, episode 12, we're going to cover acceleration. So the premise of acceleration is about as simple as it sounds. You're being asked to do something at a quicker pace to your original program or than you planned. A lot of the time that will happen because there's been some kind of delay on your project. Now we're not going to go into the argument of who's caused the delay in this instance. We're just going to talk about you've been asked to accelerate and this is what you have to do about it. There may be some other reasons. So a client may ask for a portion of a building earlier and you might be asked to accelerate a particular section of a building. There could also be some kind of scope increase during the life of the job. That might be client instigated changes or you've encountered different conditions that require more work. But essentially what we're talking of is the finished date is now moved forwards as in closer to you and for whatever reason you're being asked to finish faster. So generally this is coming via some kind of instruction or a change request. Firstly, what you're likely to see from your contractor is that they start resequencing elements of work. And rather than introducing acceleration, they first try reschedule things, minimizing elements of float, stacking activities in a different fashion, so that you end up with more sort of concurrent work faces that then become part of the critical path. And you'll probably see this from time to time. And it is a good way for the contractor to try and minimize and mitigate delays, particularly if there are some legitimate bits of float in their program that they can pair out. But also the introduction of more concurrent phases of work or faces of work can be a really useful way of bringing about some kind of acceleration without causing too much additional cost. If that happens to you, you just have to be aware of the risk involved with that. Essentially, if you ask to bring in more labor to contribute towards a compressed program, the costs on the face of it might be fairly insignificant. I mean, you're bringing in an extra gang of carpenters, whatever, to address two bits of work at one time. On the face of it, it, it shouldn't be a problem. But then you might have a supervision aspect to consider. If your contractor is one that specifies a particular ratio of workers to supervisors, you might then have to start introducing some costs for that. But the larger thing to consider here is that the more phases of work that you are working on at one time, the more chance there is for disruption across any one of those phases of work. So I mentioned carpentry there. You've gone and studied out a section of work. You've got two other gangs working on similar work elsewhere in the building. So three concurrent places that you're working in. You're going to be expected to revisit those places to carry out second fix works within a period of time. But purely because there's now three phases of work instead of the original one, your electrical man or your plumber has got more chance of delaying your restarting the work or getting to the second fix. Purely because you're working in more places, there's just more chance for it to go wrong. I'm not saying that will happen, it's just something for you to bear in mind 
Just because something is free or it's cheaper to do, it doesn't mean that it's free from risk. So on to paid acceleration, and this is really what the show today is intended to cover. Going back to our holy trinity of subcontracts, when you're pricing acceleration, you want to consider the same things. The what have I got to do? The how long have I got to do it? And how much am I going to get paid for doing it? Now in this instance, the what have I got to do element probably isn't changing. That's likely to still be the same scope of work that you started off with. So what this is, is a condition change and a time change and a shortening of the period. And in return for shortening the period, what you're going to do is charge some increased costs based around what you're going to have to pay out for over time additional supervision and so on. And we'll cover some of the cost heads that you might consider in order to achieve the acceleration and finish early. Now mentioning the Holy Trinity early on because it's important to establish from the start what everybody wants to get out of it, what everybody is willing to risk and the effect that it's going to have on the overall construction program for the job you're working on. And essentially you want to come away with something in writing to describe those three things and make it clear from the start. And crucially as well, if there's any kind of insinuation that you've had a hand in the delays that have been caused up until this point, you're going to want to seek some confirmation that regardless of whether you achieve the outcome, the desired outcome, the desired date, that you are entitled to recover the costs for the acceleration that you're now going to deliver. You don't want to leave that as an open-ended issue and then have a contractor come back to you later in the project and say, look, that acceleration, that is to cover your own misdemeanors, your own delays that you've caused earlier. And then you're picking up the tab for something you didn't really want to do in the first place. So we'll cover costs first. Now, you could enter into some kind of lump sum agreement to deliver an accelerated program or more likely there's going to be some kind of cost reimbursement for whatever premium time that you've worked and so on whilst you're trying to achieve earlier dates. There's a lot of the industry that have this overwhelming desire to get lump sums for everything and whilst that can be happy days because everybody knows where they are from the start, you're inevitably going to have a situation where your contractor is taking an optimistic approach of what you might be able to achieve. And on the flip side, you've got your shit tinted glasses on and you're giving the most pessimistic view of the same thing. And you've got to think in these situations, it's the situation that's the enemy, it's not each other. And you're just coming at it, trying to protect both of your own best interests. And if the contractor wants a lump sum, it may be the best case that you agree some assumptions that you're working around that perhaps limit your risk and at the same time, try and keep the price at a reasonable or palatable level. There's a few different ways you can go about accelerating and each of those will come up with their own sort of premiums, if you like. That could be longer shifts altogether where you're likely to incur costs for overtime across the board on labor, supervision. It could be weekend working. And if you're working in line with the working rule agreement, 
that will incur different levels of overtime or non-productive premium time for the different parts of the weekend. Or you might have a situation where you work some kind of hybrid shifts so that you get two lots of people who sort of work a full day, an eight-hour day, but they both involve working some antisocial hours. So your first shift starts early and runs until partway through the day, and then your second shift starts partway through the day and runs until late. There's pros and cons to all of these, and in all sort of acceleration situations, you really want to steer clear of sort of productivity targets because you get this situation where some of the productive output of your labour may well decline. And one of the big annoyances that I've encountered in the past is you instruct some weekend working and all the guys on the tours want to work the Saturday and Sunday cop for their premium time. But to make up for it, they decide to take Tuesday and Wednesday off the following week. And you're like, well, for fuck's sake, we were supposed to be accelerating and all I've done is paid you more money and you've achieved the same output as before. In general, what you want to be considering is premium time. So for this, what I typically would do is obtain a copy of the CJIC, the Construction Industry Joint Council Working Rule Agreement. And I would be looking to agree some rules of thumb overcharging over time in line with that. It just gives you a clear benchmark that everybody industry-wide would be aware of and it's fairly relevant, fairly simple. The rules of thumb that I take away from it are once you're exceeding your regular eight-hour shift, you start paying time and a half. If you're working a Saturday, the first four hours are at time and a half. The second four hours become at double time. And generally Sunday is at double time, whatever happens, and the same for bank holidays. You want to consider whether your labour force is willing to work to those same rates. I would suggest that they should do, but it's down to them and down to you to agree that. If you have sub-suppliers, as in you've appointed your own subcontractor to do whatever elements of the work, you sort of cascade the same entitlements downhill to them. And I would have thought that they will want to work on a similar basis, but it's worth bearing in mind you've got their own costs as well as your own costs to go on on top of the base labour rate. If you are accelerating for any significant period of time, i.e. longer than the odd couple of weekends, the level of supervision probably needs to be adjusted in line. You don't want to see your site supervisor working 100-hour weeks. You want the supervision to be sort of proportional to the volume of labour that you're going to have on the job. So if you're talking of multiple phases of work being introduced, you might need then multiple supervisors. If you're talking of out of hours, you might need to consider a different supervisor for working different days of the week or different shifts. You might have some other prelim items, more cabin costs, more electricity running costs. You may need to hire in more plant or you may see less productivity out of plant. You might also have some other creative ways of incentivizing your workforce. So if you're paying people on a price, you might look at a bonus arrangement for achieving an increased output or maybe even just getting everybody to turn in on the days that they commit to. Of course, you want to maintain your overheads and profit. 
I'm sure you don't need reminding, but that goes into the mix as well. And probably a good way to go about acceleration is to agree a schedule of likely workers that you're going to have work extra shifts, cost it all out so that everybody's got a sort of idea of the situation. You may also want to err on the side of caution as to putting more overtime into it rather than less. And you end up with this sort of schedule that represents the worst case in terms of cost. And then go back and review that at a later date. One, to agree what the price is that you're going to be paid for the acceleration. And two, to reforecast, review how much extra productivity you got out of what you've just done and treat it as a bit of an iterative process for what you need to do for the next period. And if you're starting to get clever about it, you can think about how your work interfaces with other people's work on the site, see which bits of work are worth accelerating and what's going to get the maximum impact, and then you might tailor down the number of extra shifts or the number of workers on an acceleration shift so that you're not working yourself up or sort of catching up with the next trade unnecessarily quickly. Whilst we're talking about costs, whilst you're doing acceleration, one thing that does happen is your costs start mounting up sooner and sooner in terms of how much labour you're going to have to pay out for, particularly if you've got loads of guys on the books and you're paying them on a weekly basis. Goes without saying, more guys, more mouths to feed, more shifts work, more money due. You want to be careful around your own cash flow and how long you might be outstanding some payments for acceleration costs. So this might be a good time to say to your contractor, to the people that you're working for, can I either have an upfront payment for some of this, or can we change the payment terms given that now the situation's changed, the cash flow situation is different, and a larger volume of cash is going to be consumed to maintain the work on a shorter period. That might not get you very far, however, it is worth asking the question, particularly if it is of concern to you. And you may have to explain that unless you can increase the payment frequency, be paid a little bit sooner for acceleration, even if it's only for the acceleration portion, you don't want to be involved in it because it's not going to work out well. Anyway, hopefully you're cash rich enough that that doesn't matter, but it is just a practical consideration that you might want to talk about. So that sort of covers the costs. And as I said at the start, you may have a situation where a contractor wants a lump sum. It may well be preferable to you to work on an actual shift basis or more like an actual cost basis per shift and so on. And I would suggest that to minimise the risk for both parties so that you're not putting in unnecessary levels of contingency to cover off eventualities that don't come to fruition and the contractor is able to get some idea of cost certainty that you do, as I suggested, put together a schedule, list out your operatives, your plant costs, your supervision and your overhead and profit adjustment on that. Make it a worst case scenario sort of exercise and then charge on a basis of how much of that got used and it should give you a bit of a shopping list and then you can go yeah no that wasn't in stock I didn't buy that and just pay for what gets used at the till. That covers the cost aspect. In terms of the what you're doing, what you're doing in this instance the physical works isn't going to change but what you want to be clear about is what that cost is for. 
I will provide X number of operatives for X number of additional shifts. And it gives you a bit of a benchmark. So if more additional shifts are required, you've got something to prorata and so on. Again, the shopping list approach is a bit more clear on that front because it's all open and enumerated and ready to roll when it gets to costing and billing the time. And when it gets to agreeing the what do I get for the money, that's the basis of what you want to agree. You don't want to agree a guarantee that I will get this job finished by this date if you pay me this. Because you can all set out with the best intentions and all good endeavours follow. The thing gets fucked up by an external factor and it all goes tits up. Your contractor doesn't want to pay your acceleration because you didn't achieve the date. You want to charge the money because you've done the extra shifts. So this is where there can be a bit of a stalemate. But there is an interesting precedent, and I say interesting in inverted commas. There is a precedent set by the NEC contract on this. Because the stance on the NEC contract is, if acceleration is instructed, the completion date stays where it is. And that gives the situation where, no matter whether you succeed or maybe you fail on the obligations, there's no risk of LADs beyond what you agreed at the outset of the contract i.e. damages only become payable on the original completion date. One thing that is really vital that is considered is a revised program. Obviously, as soon as things start changing, all of the interfaces with other trades start changing as well. And you want the contractor to show that on a program, showing the intent for other trades to have acceleration as, as they well might need to as well. And also show the contractor the level of coordination that they need to go to to get that tighter program to work. It might also show or give the contractor an idea of other constraints that apply to your work. Say the flooring man goes in and puts his DPM and his latex and then his flooring down and it takes three working days, a chunk of time out of your second fixing time. It helps you to plan your resources and understand where to best accelerate to have that thought out in advance. And of course that program there gives you the ability to measure the achievement of what you're setting out to. It gives you a revised set of start and finish dates for the various tasks. And it gives you another tool to monitor progress and monitor other delays against. And in an acceleration situation, because you're already trying to speed things up, you can probably expect any further extension of time requests or delay issues to be pretty hard to agree upon. But that said, if additional works are instructed or if there are major issues that are outside of anyone's control, then my view is that they should definitely be treated just like any other event. Finally, a word on completion. So it might be worth considering if you're accelerating only a portion of the work that by getting rid of that portion early there might well be impact on other elements. So say the east wing of a building is handed over early, that was the client's want, the west wing might be more difficult to access because you've now got live people working in and around the building. It's up and running, it's in use, you've got people using the car park and all of that jazz. Are there any unforeseen consequences of handing over a portion of the building early? Not saying that they're going to cost a load of money, it might just well be worth raising that issue. There is also an issue of 
if things are done quicker, remembering back to the time cost quality triangle, if things are done quicker, there may well be more incidental bits of defect. Hopefully your contractor, your client is understanding of that. But again, it might be worth having the discussion in advance and saying, look, can we either water down the definition of practical completion or give a bit more of a, I don't know, like an amnesty period post-completion where whatever additional defects or additional snags have arisen are allowed to be completed. This isn't by any means a definitive list, but this is some of the things that I would be considering if it was me entering into a negotiation around acceleration. Hopefully I've given you some useful pointers there that you can take away when you've got that situation on one of your jobs. As ever, thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you want to learn more, please do find us at www.qs.zone where you can subscribe to our training and support system for like-minded subcontractors. In there you'll find templates, how-to-do videos, and much more. It's less than the price of your cup of coffee per day, and you can cancel any time. We're also on all your favourite socials, at QSDuckZone. Thanks again, I've been Jacob Austin, and you've been awesome.